Welcome to Do the Damn Show. I'm your host, the tatted, the fatted, the one and only Casey Hughes. And with me in the studio, as always, co-host and producer... Super Farron. Super Farron. Although I would love, this is the only time I can say I'd love to be OTF because of what we're going to talk about. Yeah, exactly. And we have John Rindo. Hey, how you doing? John, welcome. Thanks. I'm glad welcome, you're here, dude. John, yes. John I'm is very a, glad uh, you're here. If you're just listening on this, you have to take our word for it. He's a fellow tattoo person. You want to see the video. <laughs> Actually, hey, that's better than late. It is actually for real. Yeah. You know, no awkward silence. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> so we're back. And uh, how was your week this week? Man, it was a really good week. I wish I could stop doing that though. Every what, single time a great you ask week? me, no, every damn time, you for having a good week all the time. <laughs> now, every time you ask me, I've noticed. You know, uh, I've been on like the last I don't know twelve, thirteen episodes, and you always say, "How was your week?" And I go, "Man," and then whatever. Wish I could stop doing that. That's your call sign, dude. I guess it's so. like my and. But either way, it was a great week. Great week. I Can't complain that. about nothing, man. Yep. John, how was your week? Rough, dude. Rough. Oh, yeah, so, I hear you. Um, half my crew have positive COVID tests that we oh. had to shut down last week, and then everybody's like canceling this week. They're either sick or don't have money now. So just to paint the picture. Um, why that's so important is you own and operate a tattoo shop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a big deal. Yeah, it's a huge deal. <laughs> this is not like a, he owns a fast food joint. Right. <laughs> you know, it's, this is a, that's, that's human on human contact. Right. Yeah. In, in the rawest of forms. Yeah, thankfully, uh, Kelsey and I, we uh, tested negative, but we still shut down for a day and just because it seemed like everybody was running a day behind each other on their positive tests and feeling bad. And, right. Yeah. So we just shut down Saturday, and then we're closed Sunday and Monday, so that gave us a few days. Gotcha. Yeah, got to do what you got to do. Yeah, and we just opened back up Wednesday because, you know, we were still fine, and everybody's got that, I guess it's five days, I don't know. Like, the rules change so Isn't that much. crazy how we went from 20 days yeah. to now? <laughs> now it's like, ah, fuck it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go back home. Mm-hmm. Whatever, <laughs> you know. Yeah, whatever. Um, Bree, she comes back tomorrow, so she's been out all week, so then we'll be back to a full crew of... Almost full crew. One of my artists has been out on maternity leave since July. She'll come back in a week, so almost a full crew. Dude, I got to tell you, you have a very talented crew. Yeah, I did that on purpose. Uh, No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I did that on purpose. Um, When I I opened that shop, um, the goal was that it didn't matter whose seat you came in there. You was going to get a good tattoo and a good experience. Sure. And so... Like at my shop, um, I have a rule that if you get three touch-ups in a year because it's your fault, you don't work for me anymore. Like people want this shit done right the first time. Right. It's expensive. It hurts. It's a lot of time. Yeah. And they don't want to do it more than once. Yeah. You know, so 
Yeah, and a lot of people don't think about how, like, the emotional investment that comes with a tattoo. Mm -hmm. There are freaks like us who just get it for whatever, you know, just tattoos on tattoos. But to a lot of people, it's their first time. It means something. And that's what that's going to be commemorative of something in their life. Well, you know, you say yeah. that, but even though I've got this many, every single one I have means something. Oh, like, God, I never I got I one. I never got one that, that was just to get one that wasn't meaningful. I wish I could say that. Yeah. I, now, I, I grew up in the, hey, let's just go do it. <clears throat> yeah, that was me. So I have the greatest tattoo. Um, John did it. He put it on here for me. I actually got to design it, and I've never talked about it on the show. And I told him, I just literally, I just thought about this when we got when we wrapped up the show before. Yeah. When we walked out, I thought about this, but it's 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 the evil chili dog. That is the best. <laughs> that is the best. So we got hot dogs through and through. We got our hot dog thing. <laughs> we that got, one just happens to have chili. That's, yeah, that's yeah, chili. That is the best. So you know, we need to get the uh, we need to get the show. I think the show has been on long enough now. It'd be safe to get a tattoo of the show I think with so. Chignia. I think we so. We need to do that. Like tattooing really saved my life, and so I take it very serious. Yeah. That's uh, okay. So you just said something. That's what I want to hear. You made that statement. Tattooing saved your life. Oh, absolutely. Um, I've I've had a real rough life, dude. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it was uh, it was one of those things where it found some. I found something I could put focus into. Sure. And uh, that's what I did. And it's pretty much taken me to places that I never would have been. You know, it. it I provide for my kids a hundred times better than I was provided for. Mm -hmm. So I try to give back whenever I can in, in any little way I can to the industry or the craft. Right. And uh, I'm a big tattoo nerd, so I study the history of it and uh, try to learn as much as possible about it. And that's why my shop runs the way it's ran, um, because people I try to teach the tattoo or the people that work for me, I, I try to instill a, a you know a pride of what you do and where you come from. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you have, I told you this outside, like you, you have one of the coolest shops. The reason I say that is because it's traditional. There's a very traditional vibe walking in there um and there's a lot of oddities and obscurities you know things too which i add a certain element to it um especially for hayden like she she absolutely fell in love with some of that stuff that's in there um especially one of the little trinket things that you had shown me it was in the, i think it was in the pearson room something that you had made yeah or yeah. was working on and she done that but it's you can um i'm not trying to be corny or whatever but you can almost feel that like when you come in like the traditional stuff like the the basis of it, I'm I'm big on feeling, dude, and you can kind of tell that. I'm sure you you know it's like any business. You have squabbles, you have disconnects and things, but the overall vibe of that shop promotes what tattooing should be. That's that's kind of where I wanted to be, and you know, and I'm not one to say what tattoos should be or shouldn't be. I just tattoo, you know. Yeah, it's like every tattoo is going to mean something different to everybody else. I go more along the lines of what tattoo, where tattooing came from and the respect, um, because it was built on respect, like the, the apprentice mentor thing yeah. and, mm -hmm. and, you know, learning about, you know, who, you know, we stand on the shoulders of giants when it comes to right. tattooing. Sailor Jerry, for instance, he's probably the, the most popular, you mm -hmm. know, in, in, you know, everyday people. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> that wasn't even his name, man. Back then. You used to have to take what's called a needle name just to protect your family's reputation because you didn't want your, you know, you had kids and they found out, you know, their dad was a tattoo artist, their mom was a tattoo artist or something. That was, they were ridiculed and shunned. You know, it was like. Did not know that. Yeah. And so a lot of tattoo artists back then, when you see the, the names nowadays, that wasn't their real name. Um, 
it was just a moniker and they called it a needle name and that was basically so they could make a living and also protect their family wow that's awesome i, I love i don't know much about hardly <clears throat> any other tattoo history mm -hmm. but i love sailor jerry and i've read a book and seen a documentary and yeah so if you're if you're good with talking about it john I, i'm i'm actually i'm really interested in how the tattooing saved your life like some of the you know what what got you to that point I did my first tattoo actually when I was 13, and and you know I'm I'm 45, so um, I grew up as a teenager, kind of late 80s, early 90s, you know, and uh, you know you didn't see a tattoo shop everywhere, right? Back then, I stayed in San Diego for a long time, living with my grandmother. I kind of had a, a dysfunctional family, and I, I ran away from home a lot. Called my grandmother and said, hey, I'm either going to come live with you or I'm going to be a street kid. Ended up in California. And so while I was out there, you've seen these people with tattoos, you know, like, and that's what I tell my crew at the shop. Like, as a kid, you know, my mom was tattooed. My dad was a hell's angel. He was tattooed. Um, even as a small kid, you would see these tattoos, but you didn't see the shops. You know, there right. wasn't television shows. The Internet wasn't a thing, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. like, so... For me, looking at a tattoo as a kid back then, it was like a mystical thing. You know, it was like, how the fuck do these get these tattoos? You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Where did it come from? Yeah. yeah. And I cuss a lot. And I know this is like That's a right. no, I did too. No, Don't no, worry no, about no. it. We did too. We earned, we earned, I say we, the truth is it's really Casey, Casey but uh, we earned our E. Yeah, we earned we, our we, E rating. Okay, cool. we rock an E. We rock an E on the, right. on the channels, man. Yeah, so. we, we all we ask is that you just be yourself, man. Okay. That's it. That's it. Y'all are fucked. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so basically, man, that's how I grew up seeing tattoos. And again, you know, being a kid of the '80s and early '90s, you know, pop culture and stuff. You, you know, all my my uncles and stuff. They were, and my dad was Marines and sailors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they had tattoos. My best friend was this Chicano kid, and, you know, all his family, you know, the, the males anyway, they were, they rocked the big dickies and the hairnets back then. You know? Yeah. And uh, they were tattooed up, you know, like I said, my dad was a biker, tattooed up. And so this is kid logic. You know, I was 13, the youngest one of us was eight, and there was like five of us. And we got to talking about them, and it was like, you just got to be a fucking badass. <laughs> you know, and they give it to you. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. It's like standard issue. Pretty much. It's like Girl Scout badges. <laughs> um, so uh, that's that's how I looked at tattooing. And that's what that's the only reason I wanted one, because I wanted to be a fucking badass. And yeah. so we, uh, we talked to my friend's uncle, who had did some time in prison, uh, another Cholo guy. And... and uh, we had a network of homeless people and what we would do is we'd save up our money and we would give them money and say hey if you will buy us a 40 we'll buy you one and not once were we ever ripped off they would go to the liquor store yes, sir. and bring us a 40 and we would yep. get drunk as shit yep. so what we did is we uh we got up some 40s and we took it to his uncle like a tribute and he showed us how to make prison style tattoo equipment you know he broke down a sony walkman cassette player and yeah oh, wow um uh, he made it and we went to a back alley and uh we were tattooing on the couch that homeless people and shit and pissed and never slept on and didn't know we needed real sanitary need no real sanitary i remember when i <laughs> <laughs> when I started doing this stuff for real. But now um, we shut down for COVID. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think I'm immune. But, uh, but yeah, uh, I remember um, 
uh, you know, when I was learning how to, the bloodborne pathogens part of you know, getting a license to tattoo professionally, just immediately flashing back on that moment <laughs> and be like, fuck, how am I not dead? Yeah. You know? um, but that's how we got our start. And then um, I gave my mom a shot at being a mom and came back to Alabama. Um, still didn't even know there was such thing as a tattoo shop at this point, you know. Where, was it illegal in Alabama at that time? I don't know. I feel like I could be wrong, but I feel like when I was growing up, because I was born and raised here, mm. and I feel like it was illegal. I know it wasn't widely accepted. I know that. Yeah. Because that's been in the last Well, I lived in Oklahoma years. for a short period of time when I was in the Army, and that was like 25 years ago. And at that time, it was illegal where I lived in Oklahoma. I feel like it was in Alabama it when I was growing up. Be. I could be wrong, though. That's possible. I mean, it was illegal in New York City up until like 96. To get wow. It. Wow, man. Um, yeah, I moved here and, um, you know, I tattooed a few people with bullshit equipment, um, still a kid. And then, you know, you get a job and you go through and do all that stuff. And, um, I got in a lot of trouble, uh, while I was here, ended up being incarcerated off and on and juvenile detention and stuff like that. So it got to the point by the time I was 16, um, I'd been emancipated as an adult, so at 16 years old, I was actually sitting in Coleman County Jail, like the old jail in the bullpen with grown-ass men. So, mm. Wow. Um, but it was one of those things like, uh, you know, 15, 16 years old, I didn't care if he was a grown man. You know, I'd talk to you like you were nothing Yeah. and, and fight you if you wanted to fight. I fought grown men when I was a kid, you know. Um and I'm not saying that to brag about it. It's pretty shit. Sure, it's sure. pretty right. shit, you know. But, yeah. Um, well, too, that you were a product of what you came from. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was, yeah. I was extremely angry as a kid. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, like, that was my thing. I loved to fight more than anything. It didn't matter if, if I won or lost as long as I'd fight. Just get it out. Yeah. yeah. And then when I moved to Alabama, I mean, it was a lot of, uh, I mean, it was, it's, it's a good old boys, you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Here I am, you know. I don't, I don't get into sports, you know. Um, I wanted to be a comic book illustrator as a kid. I skateboarded. I like metal, you know. There's the height of the satanic panic thing going on. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, it was just one of those things, man. When country boys would come up, and uh, I was a kid, they thought they was going to pick on, and I'd whoop that ass. Yeah. And, um, and that wasn't even who I really was deep down, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? But yeah. what happened is, you know, you you come in from someplace like Southern California to, to Coleman. Man, uh, <laughs> I can't imagine two different places. Shock. Yeah, she Yeah, well, I'd been here off and on, you know. Um, I've lived in East St. Louis and the projects. I've lived all over, man. Um, but it was one of those. It was one of those things when you get here. It's all that you're. First of all, you're the new guy in school, so you're going to get right. the chicks' attention. And then you're from Southern California. Yeah. And you're like the fucking unicorn, John. Bro. Yeah. <laughs> the rarity. Well, yeah. The, you were talking about the height of like '90s gangster rap, where everything yeah. was the West Coast, and and everybody just thought I was whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and so when we'd go fighting, you know, and I'd win. Um, it just led to that reputation. You know, I had that reputation in my school that you were the guy, I, were, I was the guy that nobody fucked with. Yeah. Um, uh, for one, I could fight real well. Two, I wasn't scared to fight how many of you guys were there. 
and three, I was not humble. So if you whoop my ass, I thought it was a fluke. <laughs> and we were going to fight again. Just yeah. Yeah. And if you whoop my ass twice, I yeah. knew you were just a better fighter than me. So the third time, I'm going to sneak you. Right. But I'm yeah. not going to take an ass whooping. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> what happens with that is you attract the attention of more girls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of nice, you know. And yeah. so, so um, this reputation that I was upholding that wasn't even me before long, it just became me. Yeah. Sure. Um, um, Isn't that crazy how that happens, man? Fuck, dude. Hindsight really fucked. Yeah. But um, yeah. anyway, so I, like I said, I ended up in a county jail at 16, got out. Um, and then when I was 18, I ended up going to the penitentiary. And I stayed there until I was 26 years old. Was that here in Alabama? Yeah, that was here in Alabama. Um, and the craziest thing was the stuff I went to prison for, I did not do. Hmm. Um, and this is my first time actually publicly talking about it. Um, outside of back then, mm-hmm. I talked to the crew today. It's like, man, I think they want me to tell my story. I don't know what. <laughs> um, they worked for me for three years before they even knew. Wow. Um, everybody that talks to me now and that I know and I tell them, they can't believe it. Um, they genuinely think I'm a nice dude. And, uh, I think my biggest fear was what if people knew how I used to be? Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you. They're going to think I'm a, a fraud. Yeah. Um, so I never talked about it, man. But, um, I got a, a 90 year sentence for seven nonviolent first time property crimes. So that will tell you the extent of how bad I was as a kid and the yeah. reputation mm-hmm. and the example they wanted to make. I yeah. got two 20-year sentences and five 10-year terms, and they gave me the maximum they could on each case and ran it consecutively. So, wow. So I wasn't even supposed to get out of prison for 10 years, and um, uh, I tattooed while I was there. You know, mm-hmm. did what I knew how to do. Yeah. Still never even heard of a tattoo shop. Didn't know it was a damn thing at all. Oh, wow. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, so I get in there and um, I get out early, um, just by luck, I guess. Um, a radio talk show host in, in Montgomery who's passed away now was doing a year-long expose on uh, the abuse of the criminal justice system in Alabama. And my case came up because it was so excessive. Wow. Um, Excuse me, I thought I was going to burp. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> These mics are good for that, too. Man. Yeah, yeah, so good ones, they'll yeah. pick up everything. <laughs> so uh, I caught a little notoriety there. And, um, and the next thing I know, a state senator is stepping down on the parole board because that's who who um, they they answer to, state state legislator. Um, and pretty much said, you you got to let him go. And I got early parole. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. And they only did that because, you know, the court has certain rules. And a lot of people don't realize this. The court has certain rules that as long as they follow these rules, um, your your case will not get overturned. Yeah. Um, it can be, you know, you can be as innocent as possible. Yeah. You know, as you want to be in and as long as the court follows those rules and says there's nothing you can do about it. And I remember 
doing all these appeals and stuff and the Supreme Court of Alabama issued an opinion in my case and and I remember crying in prison it was one of the only times I really did was uh they came back and their opinion was, was basically word for word it said uh, the court marvels at a conviction on such flimsy proof but it's not our job to weigh the evidence but whether or not the court followed procedures and then they did Oh, like, geez, bro, man. You're telling me because they played by the rules. Wow. God. There's nothing I can do. And so, you know, politics are crooked. Right. And it was a state center. And everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's how I got out. That is If so you want me to be honest. Wow. Um, the state legislators put put pressure on the pro board. And, um, so when I got out, um, you know, I was 18 when I went in and 26 when I came out. So I'm like, grew up in there i didn't yeah. have any skill you know i didn't know how to work on a car i knew um a very little carpentry I, I got some minor carpentry skills um i don't I didn't know shit but i knew that i wanted to be an artist as a kid mm -hmm. um and i knew uh that there was that you know, i went to work in factories you know and it never fits, man. Construction, like when you're when you're that right brain person, you know that that artistic side, that illustrative side, and you mix that with a colorful life. Those factory stuff it never sticks, and it, and it, the people that it does stick with, I look at them and they're so miserable, man. Yeah, like they're they're just miserable, and it's because they can't get out. Right, they right. can't get what they're good at. You know, that reminds me of uh, 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 Jamie Johnson and the the Lonesome Song album, and he's got a line. In one of the songs about that, like that, the day job, and the hammer mm -hmm. and the nail. Yeah, just couldn't break out with a hammer and a nail. Yeah, couldn't yep. do it. Couldn't do it. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I was, I was fine. I was making money. You know, um, it's the most money I'd ever made. But fuck up. Was a kid. Yeah, you know I mean? exactly. So yeah. <laughs> that eight dollars an hour to to work at a cultured marble shop in downtown Birmingham looked great. You know yeah. What I mean? mm -hmm. um, uh, but before I got that job, I was doing odd jobs with uh, this guy that uh, I met on this, like, day labor program or something, and he was trying to help out ex-cons that was getting out and stuff. And so I remember he was a painter, and I was pressure washing this building on the west side of Birmingham. Uh, this is a great story. <laughs> and uh, I'm pressure washing it, and I've probably been out of prison literally less than a month. And uh, I'm pressure washing it, and I'm taking a break to smoke a cigarette, and this dude comes up and uh, pulls a gun on me because oh, it's like in the back alleyway. Um, he's trying to rob me, and I didn't have a dime on me, dude. <laughs> Not a dime. And, uh, again, I don't know if it was just the way I was brought up and how I was, but I just looked at him calmly. I'm like, dude, you're just practicing, man. I don't have <laughs> shit. I just got out of prison. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> He looked at me, and he was like, for real? I'm like, yeah, man, I've been out like three weeks. And he puts his gun up, and he just puts his head down, shakes his head, asks me for a cigarette, and he's like, damn, homie, welcome home. And That's just, one of the best stories I've heard in my life. He goes on about his day, dude. But, yeah. Um, I'll never Just practicing. Yeah, he's just, right. just practicing, bro. <laughs> got nothing. Oh. <laughs> uh, all you're going to get is you catch a charge if you shoot me. That's, that's, that's all it. you're going to get out no. of this transaction, buddy. But, yeah, um, uh, 
I did that for a while and then, you know, drove a forklift and worked in warehouses and stuff. And, and, uh, this guy knew was like, Hey man, I'm going to go get a tattoo. And I hadn't tattooed since getting out. You know what I mean? You want to go with me? I'm like, yeah, dude, I'll go with you. And, uh, so I thought he was going to somebody's fucking house. And we roll up, and it's literally it says tattoos on the side of a building. Um, <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. It's real. And I get out, and I'm looking at this place, and I remember kind of feeling heartbroken. And I was like, fuck, man, you mean anybody can get these? You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to earn them. Yeah. Um, wow. So we go in there, and dude gets his tattoo, and... Um, there's one of them I had done on them, and the guys were like, man, well, where do you work? Fuck, bro, I didn't even know there was such thing as a tattoo shop. Kill me. That's where I work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just kind of basically told them a, a watered-down version of the story I just told you, and um, the dude tried to get me an apprentice right then, and I remember just shutting him down. I'm like, man, I can't make no fucking money doing this. Yeah. Um. And for two years, he pursued me. Um, oh, wow. And then uh, I was doing road construction at the time. And uh, in the winter months, we would get laid off. Because um, apparently in Alabama, the state won't allow you to, to lay asphalt because it cools down too fast. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and the company would, you know, they would handle all the unemployment checks and stuff for you. So I was getting like 200 bucks a week or whatnot. So I was like, I want to try this tattoo thing. So I went down there and... Uh, I went and talked to him. The same dude that pursued me was like, I don't got time to fuck with you for real. So here's you some tattoo equipment. Um, and uh, here's a fake portfolio because we didn't have smartphones back then. Right. Right. So you had a portfolio full of like yeah. pictures that you went and got developed. He's like, here's a here's some shitty work. Take it together. <laughs> uh, tell them that you've been tattooing for a year. And they will hire you. And so that's exactly what I did. And uh, I tattooed my first professional job as a tattooer was um, on the west side of Birmingham over there by Legion Field. Um, wow. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, that dude gave me my first job. I've seen so much shit in and out of that shop. I've seen more cocaine being sold out of that shop. Oh, sure, yeah, in my yeah. Life. Um, and I think he's dead now, and that shop's no longer around, so it doesn't matter if I talk about it or not. Right. But, <laughs> I mean, I didn't mean to laugh, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, that's how I got my start, man. And then I just progressed up to a little worse, a little better shop that was still bad. Yeah. But um, did that. Um, I was I was married then, um, and then uh, what I didn't know about her was that uh, she had an addiction. Sorry, Mayor Rosigian. Uh, she had an addiction, and uh, I was working third shift driving the forklift, and that's when she would do her thing. And it just got so out of control that with the pills and stuff that she, that she couldn't just do it within those hours. And then once I found out about it, she just didn't care and just kept going. And um, she eventually overdosed and passed away. Mm. Um, Sorry and, to hear that. Yeah. Thanks. And so... Uh, so I just kind of quit my forklift job, basically, and um, went and lived in my car. I, I drove a, a 94 Cadillac sedan DeVille, and 
Um, drove it to Birmingham and was either like, I'm going to be successful at this or I'm just going to be a bum. Um, and uh, I lived in my car for almost a year. Hey, Cadillac's a huge car till you live in it. It's still the most comfortable car I've ever driven. Um, but I lived in that thing, and you know, I had friends that would uh, let me come over and wash my clothes. And you know, if I had a good night of tattooing or whatever, I, I would get a room. Um, but I did that for about nine, ten months, um, and then moved to Gulf Shores, started tattooing down there, and then uh made a ton of money there. It was the most money I've ever made tattooing. Even as a shop owner, I made more money on the Gulf Coast than I do as a shop owner. Tourism? Yeah. Yeah, I made about 60 grand in three months, my cut. And you, wow. And you split 50-50 with a shop. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's not a bad pool. Well, I mean, that's also working from noon to 3 o'clock in the morning. And I can only imagine, John, it has to be doing the most mundane bullshit tattoos. Yeah. <laughs> hey, all these little souvenir yeah. tattoos, is yeah. what we call them. They're, uh, uh, you know, they're probably half dollar size. Yeah. A lot of yeah. shells. Seashells, dolphins, waves. So here's a fun fact. My very first tattoo was almost 14 years old. My mom was going to sign for me. We were, in, we were at the beach. I don't remember if it was Destin or Gulf Shores, but it was one of the two. And it was a tribal band with a dolphin in the middle of it, and it had a diamond for an eye. And I remember the guy looking at me going, you sure that's what you want? And I'm like, oh, yeah, dude, that's what I want. He looks at my mom, and she goes, that's what he wants. He's like, I mean, if he wants to do it, I'll do it for him. You know, and he threw some off-the-wall price out. You know, the truth is, the guy didn't want to do it, you know. But uh, my mom was still going to pay it, and then he started talking about, now, you know, you know, like the pain and going through the process. And I know now I look back and realize what he was doing, but there at the counter, dude, he come out with a set of needles, and he whipped open a needle right there at the counter, and he was like, you know, and this is what, you know, yada, 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 and he was psyching me out. That's what he did. So whoever you are, I don't know if you remember that, thank you for talking me out <laughs> of that shitty tribal band tattoo with makes a dolphin kinda, in the middle of it. Makes me kind of want to go get one of those now, though. Apparently, based on the story you told, some of the tattoos that you did when you were, you know, in, in prison were, like, really good art. You're an artist, and that guy saw something you did, and he wanted you to... The reason I'm saying I don't know, I wouldn't call them good by what I do now. Well, I mean they were they're good enough to and that's just honest. I mean most of them are shitty. There's always going to be that diamond in the rough that just produces amazing stuff wherever they're at with whatever they got. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that's also where um fine line black and gray tattooing originated from was uh Chicano prisoners in California. Okay. Um before then it was you know traditional. So Gotcha. So when you, you went down to Gulf Shores and made a decent living there um, at a shop, how long before you got back up here? So <laughs> the the funny thing about that was uh, while I was down there, I met a girl and started dating her. And um, she was from a wealthy family. And you're talking about oil and water. Um <laughs> Hey, we got a couple of those, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, my wife, Kelsey, now, she's from an okay family. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so we kid her. Um, but this was uh, this was to the extreme. And so she kept comparing me to her dad, right, um, who was the breadwinner. And so it got to the point where, you know, Gulf Shores and Pensacola, Florida is like 15 minutes away. Yeah, it's right there right. together. And so... Um, 
just trying to keep up, you know, like just the nagging and the, and the things like that, you know, and, you know, as a dude, you're supposed to be the provider and, you know, if your partner's not satisfied, you know, yeah. genuinely we tried to, to make, you know, happy life, happy wife type deal or right. whatever. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I ended up working for almost a year, um, seven days straight every week in two different shops in two different states. And no matter what I did and how much money I made, it was still never, never enough. enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're talking hundred grand a year, you know, yeah. um, and that's, you know, 10 years ago almost. Yeah. You can't you can't live with somebody though that's always yeah yeah, yeah I learned you that you can't do it well yeah, yeah. well one, one day, day you have to learn it yeah you know, one day we woke up and she says hey um here's how it's gonna be you're gonna you're gonna choose me or tattoo it and so that was the day I packed my stuff mm-hmm. out packed oh, wow. my stuff and <laughs> and I came back to uh, to the Birmingham Coleman area um, uh, and then just started working in Birmingham again. Which uh, that was a pretty pretty good weird feeling because when I left Birmingham, I really didn't have the respect of other tattooers. Um, I was just John that tattooed in the hood, yeah, you know, hood tattooer. And uh, while I was down there, I actually got to work around some of the best tattooers I've ever worked with. Still, um, uh, and I still you know I felt like an imposter, yeah, um, and I still feel like that every day. Um, no matter how many how many people are like, man, your your tattoos are good or whatever, I'm like, man, eventually they're going to figure out I'm full of shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> Dude, you were in such good company. It is not. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, I worked with a guy. He was a 75-time award-winning black and gray artist. Wow. Uh, realism. And um, this was back in the day when conventions were invite only, and you had to have a name for yourself. And he won at some of the the most prestigious conventions you know that you could attend and then there was a third generation tattooer that worked in the same shop um, his grandfather I believe opened the very first shop in Pensacola Florida for the Navy and so he grew up in a tattoo family and then there was a couple other really good tattooers that were um, uh, had a good lineage I guess you could say their yeah. pedigree of who taught who down to them was like a who's who and then there's just some asshole from alabama me <laughs> you know what i mean but uh who the fuck is this guy <laughs> yeah so so i got to work around all those dudes like i said i progressively i got to a shop and it was a little better and was, and i would pick up a little bit and and so essentially man i'm one of those self-taught tattooers i never had a traditional apprenticeship wow um that's awesome and uh and when i got back these same people that you know I didn't get respect from my peers uh, were asking me to come work there. I, mean, I remember one person saying, "Look, man, we'll make a spot for you. We don't have any, but we don't want you, ta- you know, working for the competition." <laughs> and uh, at that point, I got really good at cover-ups, and so my thing then was. Anytime I got to cover up somebody's tattoo that had talked shit back in the day, I would. Um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I love it. And so, that's I love it. And that's kind of what I specialize in today now is cover-ups. I do more cover-up work than I do first-time tattoos. Which I'm going to say, I don't, I don't know a whole lot about tattooing, but I know a whole lot about art. I know a whole lot about painting. That in itself is an art. 
covering up. Oh cover yeah, up oh, yeah. Every... It's a it's a whole different beast than yeah. know, fresh skin. So I had offers to go other places, um, but my grandmother she had moved to Colvin, um from California, and she had did that. She had moved here when I actually was incarcerated. She moved down here to to be closer, and uh, so she kind of raised me. So she's like my mom, and she was getting sick, and so. I decided to move closer um, to be around her, and I would drive from Coleman to Birmingham to Tattoo, and it's not to diss any other shops that are around there. Yeah. I, I kind of genuinely don't um, talk bad about people who are in the same industry that I'm in, yeah. publicly, yeah. anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Everyone I, will play. I'll just say that... Uh, You're only as good as where you work. Yes, sir. Your reputation. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. And I came too far to to work there. Yeah. Um, so that's why I just drove to Col um, to Birmingham from Coleman. And then um, uh, while I was there, I got to do some guest artist spots and went down to South Florida and, and got to tattoo with a guy that had been tattooing for 42 years. And he kind of hit me to the game and stuff. And um came back and you know, I met a girl um, Misty and and we got married uh, my grandmother she passed um, and she left me the property and so uh, we moved in there and it was paid for the only thing mm -hmm. I had to do is pay for taxes and stuff like that and I'd set a goal for myself that I would open my own shop when I was 40. I was done working for other people. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, just one day out of the blue, Misty was like, hey, uh, what would you do if I had $10,000 to spare? I told you you had $10,000 so I'd probably go ahead and open my shop. And so I leased the building. It took me six six months to, to get it to where it is. And you're talking about how it looks. Um, <clears throat> we bought all the lumber rough cut. And hand sanded and hand stained and we built that out you know yeah. misty and my brother and so it was all handmade as well i wow. wanted to i wanted to my shop to reflect you know the same thing about you know my tattooing like the attention yeah. to detail like mm -hmm. um craftsmanship you know these are things that i instill in people that work yeah. for me and so we did that and we got open in october of 18 and uh uh been there ever since you know and dude i, I tell you like it's it's dodge city tattoo i don't think mm -hmm. we've actually clarified that yeah yet um during the recording but and you got a good location it's right there off the interstate mm -hmm. right off of 299 yeah yeah i mean um everybody thought i was crazy for opening there um they didn't think i was going to make money um but honestly when i first opened that place i only had the one suite i've got yeah. the double suite now because yeah. i had to expand but uh, I was done working for people. Like I was tired of working like big busy shops. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was gonna just do my my appointments and a few walk ins. I built the shop out so it was just big enough for me and one other person at the time. And uh I got that person and then it was literally within three months there was a six to eight month waiting list to get tattooed. Wow. Yeah. Man. And so the uh the suite next to me came open and we had to expand, you know, I had an apprentice and um, she was about ready to start tattooing, so I needed the space and uh, we're still booked out. 
on average a few months in advance. Yeah. Uh, and I just hired two walk-in artists a little over a year ago from one's from Tampa and one's from here, but she moved back from Iowa and yeah. came to work there. But And you said you're 45? Yeah. So I don't want to miss this um, because it's partly what this show is, is about. She started out as a 13-year-old kid. Yeah. Grew up in chaos. Like just, you know, dysfunction. Yep. Far away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've had a hell of a life. And I'm sure that's only like this much of the iceberg. Yeah. Yeah, man. We well, even got to the other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and then you, you know, at 45 years old, uh, you know, I know that I'll be 40 in January. And a lot of times I look at it and I go, I should be further in life than what I am. You know, I should be further. Yeah, along, I feel like that. All or time. it shouldn't have took me as long to get to where I'm at. And then when I finally realize that, I'm like, but you're not where you should be. You know, um, there's a, I think there's a certain thing that we lose in our society and we lose in our journeys and we lose in our walks. As, as we go through things, um, we're, we're at a micro, as, as big of a visionary as we can be, we still have like those horse blinders and we look at it, you know, and go, this is what I have. This is what I have. But I want people to understand like the, the, the full, the, the full scope of what we're talking about. You know, you're very much like me in a sense of I shouldn't be, if, if I was going to be anywhere, I wouldn't be where I'm at. You know, society and statistically, you shouldn't be the guy who owns a successful tattoo shop that's booked out forever. Right. You know, based on the foundation that was laid for you mm-hmm. and then the things through years. But you found something that you you claim that, you know, it saved your life. Yeah. Tattooing I mean, saved my life and it changed the trajectory mm-hmm. of where of where you were at. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things people, they still, um, they're amazed by, like, I don't drink, I don't, I don't smoke weed. You know what I mean? Um. Even though I probably should. You know, <laughs> Dude, um, me and you both, man. Uh, me and you both. And I don't drink because you know, my dad was an alcoholic and he used to beat the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he was also schizophrenic. And so, like, some of my memories of him, you know, my early memories. And one of the reasons my mom and I don't have a good relationship was um, uh, he would beat me. And when I say beat, I'm not talking about a... Just a bad belt. A, a, yeah, yeah, this was beating us. Yeah. Um, mm. He he held a hot toaster to my little brother's hand to burn it. Um, he locked us in a closet and set the house on fire. Like, Jeez. And this was when I was three and four years old. And uh, in most of those instances, um, I remember seeing my mom in the background not doing shit. Yeah. You know? And as a three or four-year-old... Um, I've wrestled with it back and forth as a three or four year old. You don't comprehend that she's scared to say anything. Yeah. You know, because she was getting her ass whooped too. Yeah. But as a grown man and with somebody with kids, and again, I'm not a mom, so I don't know how moms think, but I don't think I could stand there and watch my kid go through that no mm-hmm. matter what my consequences were. Right. So, right. so um, like, we're civil, but, you know, it's more like a sibling thing. You yeah. Know? Um, and so, uh, I've never ridden a motorcycle. Didn't even know why. Subconsciously, it was because I associated it with him. You know what I mean? Ah, gotcha. Um, yeah. Um, and that's probably why I don't drink or hang out or any of that shit. You yeah. Know? But um, and it's so crazy. I got to touch on that. It's yeah, so ahead. crazy, dude. People, they, they they will genuinely look at people and they go, "Oh, that's what they do." Yeah. You know, you yeah. you are the drinker. You are the weed smoker. You are the Harley guy. Yeah, that's what you are. I just think I, that, I get, yeah, yeah. Everybody but, tells me that all the time. Yeah. Uh, in fact, you was talking about the Navy earlier. My son's in the Navy. Um, uh, there was a point where his mom had 
had her own problems. Um, and, uh, well, I got her pregnant when I was 17, you know what I mean? And so, you know, then um, I was arrested two weeks before he was born. So I didn't even wow. get to hold my son until he was eight. Um, well, not hold him, but yeah, um, he didn't even stay under the same roof with me until he was eight and a half, almost nine. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, when I got out, he was all like, his stepdad um, was kind of a wannabe. He was a wannabe rapper, you know, just whatever. <laughs> and, uh, and my son had picked up on that, and I had to tell him, you know, he's talking about how gangster he was and stuff. And I was like, son, all the real gangsters are either dead or where I just came from. Yeah. Um, I've never sugarcoated anything, you know, with my kids, you know. And uh, so uh, he has never, He's he just turned 27. He has never uh, tried a sip of alcohol, drugs, smoked. He was straight edge. He did ROTC his whole time in high school. Um, and then went straight into the into the Navy. He's an IT for the Navy. And wow. That's, that's awesome, awesome, man. He pretty much encrypts missiles and does cybersecurity and shit. Yeah. Uh, just got a job offer to go to the White House for IT, and he turned it down, um, even though I disagreed with him and said he should probably go. But, yeah, for sure. Uh, it's not what I want. It's what he wanted to do. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm still proud of him, whatever he does. Yeah, but, for sure. Oh, yeah. But, um, you know people have this misconception by the way I look and, and my history and and then they see somebody like my son Damien and they're like but you're the fucking tattoo guy how right I mean, yeah. just because I have tattoos and I've lived this life doesn't mean I don't have fucking morals and values right and, exactly and exactly. I still these things you yeah. know what I mean and and there's always going to be somebody that's going to be in that position that's going to think that they know better than those people around you without this, without knowing your situation right without your, knowing your history that, yeah, yeah right exactly like you know and, and i think it's so easy for people to look and, and it's so easy in a society just to write it off you know to go this dude is a terrible parent look at him he couldn't even put his life together i know that's how i've been looked at a lot and it's just not simply the truth man you, you said something earlier that i love so much is like the person that you were making yourself become that wasn't who you were Right. But it was because of the circumstances yeah. and the situations around. And let's face it, when we're younger, the attention that we were getting, because we never got the attention that we needed when we were younger right. or that we felt like we need, hey, we got this, I like this. But that wasn't your core person. No, you know, no, no, just no, as much as it's not now. Birds of a feather flock together, I yeah. guess. So when you're an outcast, Absolutely. you hang with fucking outcasts. Yep. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? A lot of mine was, you know, project kids. I remember going to school and they were like, those are the fucking project kids. They're poor, blah, blah, blah. And we whooped that ass. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, that was the answer for everything in my generation of coming up. You know, we, I, yeah. I came up on fucking suicidal tendencies and yeah. Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre and hardcore <laughs> gangster shit. You know what I mean? And it was like, that was the epitome of what a man was supposed to be. Yeah. You know, you whoop that ass. Yeah. Um, um, and that's how I was kind of brought up, you know, um, uh, don't start shit, but don't take shit, yeah. you know? Um, uh, but the way I parented them and my philosophy on it is this, and I was just, it's not that I did anything special. It's mostly my son. Um, they have to be willing to listen yeah. So I can, like my daughter, I fucking scream at the top of my lungs. She won't listen for shit. Yeah. You know I mean, my son, uh, he was a complete opposite. You know, we had a, a discussion one time and, uh, 
United asked him why he uh, he never tried these things. Because I remember joking, I was like, I mean, because I've drank when I was when I was a teenager, I'd drink all the time. Yeah, you know, drink and fight, smoke weed every day. Um, but I asked him why, and he was like, uh, when I told you his mom, you know, kind of kind of had her her problems and the stepdad you know and both of them are doing great now you know he got nothing but good to say about both of them um but he had told me he's like i knew you would kill me <laughs> and i saw what it did to my mom and jeff which was you know yeah. stepdad he didn't want to be that way but the way i i parent is i'm very loose with what they can watch and stuff and listen to and as long as they don't act like that you yeah. know, this is just entertainment. Uh, yeah. You know, I tell them straight up. You know, your favorite rapper that's rapping about selling dope and robbing people lives in Beverly Hills. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. He's not doing none of that. He's yeah. walking around with security guards. Yep. You know yeah. I mean? Yeah. It's the uh, casino theory. You, know, you don't go to the casino to win. Right. You go to you go as entertainment. I'm going to pay them a hundred dollars for entertainment. For that's what you're going to do. But what I did was, and I told him this, and it was, you know, if, if if you and I are walking in the woods, and I tell you I've been here before, and it splits off into two paths, and I'm like, he's like, hey, let's go down this way because it's shorter, and I'm like, look, man, I've taken that, that yeah. path before. It's real fucking jagged and full of full of snakes and thorns. <laughs> yeah. It may take us a little longer to go around this way, but it's it's the best option. Yeah. Well, which one are you gonna fucking do? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And that's the way I explained it to him. I was like, I've done been down that road, and yeah. I'm telling you, that's not where you want to go. And and he picked up on that analogy, and he listened. You know, yeah. and so yeah, I have to do that with Dave, and I have to get to a point to where I I got her the best that I can, but ultimately she's gonna have to make that decision. Bro, you know? girls are so fucking hard. Oh, they are, dude. I'd raise five hundred boys before I <laughs> want another it's girl. It's so difficult, dude. You know, well, my daughter, she's got. And she's got some issues because, you know, her mom, you know, really did her wrong, too. She goes to counseling. She's on depression meds. She's um, she's tried to commit suicide several times. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I love her to death, man, but she's just, she's got a full plate, too. And yeah. She just don't listen, dude. Yeah. You know, um, um, and a lot of it's got to do with uh, she's intellectually disabled. So some of these complex you know, thought patterns and stuff she don't understand. Yeah. You know? Um mm. but uh uh my wife Misty and I we tried to well, let me give you an example. She came to me when she was fourteen, um, didn't know how to tie her shoes, didn't know how to button pants, um didn't know how to brush her hair properly. And and it was because her mom, um had her doped up on ADHD medicine because she likes to talk. I was like, you know, yep. this will quiet you up. And instead of teaching her to tie shoes, she bought slip-ons. Instead of teaching her button pants, she yep. bought pull-ups and stretchy pants. You know? Yeah. And, you know, I got to visit her, you know, every other weekend and stuff like that. And then, you know, moving down to the Gulf Shores area, I didn't get to do that a lot. And she would come down there in the summer. And again, hindsight, you know, she would come down there and flip-flops and, and just comfortable shorts i'm like well she's at the beach right you know relax don't yeah. worry but you know hindsight's like wow she yeah. never came to my house with anything other than pull-ons and yep you know what i mean but it's weekend you know stuff yeah. like that so that makes you feel like a shit as a parent that you don't pick up on things like that when yeah. you when you do but 
Yeah, dude. It is what it is. This is this is for those parents that are out there that maybe just not realizing that or seeing that, dude. We got a full plate too. And yeah. somebody told me a long time ago, we don't realize that when we're kids, we're watching our parents grow up, mm-hmm. you know, as we're growing up. It's the same thing. I mean, it's I have to go back and apologize routinely for the way that I've handled situations to go, look, I, I'm sorry that happened, but I'm not the same person I was yesterday. You know? Yeah. I, I mean, I've ate a lot of shit with my kids. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Damien, I've had to apologize to him. You know, Maya. I mean, one of the hardest things, and I guess get to that was, um, yeah, you know, right before COVID, I was telling you about Misty helped me mm-hmm. with a thing, and um, she was she was an addict, former addict or recovering addict, however you say it. You know, when I met her, mm-hmm. she had about five years clean, and um, and then you know we were together for six years, and um, uh, she helped me open the shop. She, if I had to give anybody credit for where I'm at now, it'd be her. You know, because I. I, hell, I didn't even know how to establish credit. She did that for me so I could open the shop, you know. And she pushed me to, to do the things that I wanted to do. Um, uh, you know, after my grandmother died, I didn't even know it, dude, but I was, I was depressed. Um, um, and then, you know, things started falling apart for her and I, and then she had her own issues came up, and she relapsed. And... Uh, I just told her, look, you're, you're going down a road that I can't follow you. You know what I mean? And we split up. I, I put her out. And then, uh, you know, six months later, she had committed suicide. And so um, within that time is when Maya came to live with me. Um, and so, you know, at this point, uh, we had the COVID shutdowns. Um, wife number two has passed away. Um, uh, and then I find myself being a single dad of uh, a teenage girl with special needs hey. while trying to run a business. Yeah, boy. Um, so, um, so all that happens, and and um, you know, when I when I talk about being depressed when when my grandmother died, it it really was nothing compared to and let me back up the year before she passed so <laughs> my grandmother passes away the next year my baby brother gets murdered mm. um, he is the guy that um, you may have heard on the news was found stuffed in the barrel over in Blount County mm. um, and then the year after that my wife commits suicide and so um I just snapped, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, didn't even realize it snapped because, you know, growing up the way I grew up and, and being in prison, it's survival. You know what I mean? You put your emotions in your back pocket and you do what you got to do. You know, yeah. you show emotion in prison. And so I'd been so used to that my whole life, you know, especially, you know, uh, you know, when my dad, even at a young age, you know, shut up crying, we'll give you some more, you know. Yeah that type of shit that you learn not to show your emotion. Yeah. I can talk about them all day long. Um, and so, uh, it got to the point, man, where Maya, um, would do something stupid, man, like not take the trash out. Something that all of us do, man. Teenage yeah, kids. Yeah, exactly. Mundane. And I would snap on her like I caught her in, with a boy. Yeah. Like, go off in a rage yep 
and uh, I've always been somebody who's like, and I guess again, going back to incarceration, all you got to do is time to think. I learned how to reflect there all my life, and and um, and why I do the things I do or don't do the things I, I do. And um, so I remember laying in bed after that day and being like, uh, "Man, why not snap on her?" You know, just couldn't figure it out. Yeah. Like, why yeah. I overreacted so bad. Yeah, man. But at that point in my life, and it's cliche because you see people saying it all the time. It's like, man, I'm just mad that I woke up. You know, <laughs> Bro, that was 100% true. Yeah. I remember um, waking up and cussing myself out in the mirror, literally cussing myself yep. out in the mirror that I, I was mad that I did not die in my sleep. And uh, just, just like literally... My didn't deserve the way I was treating her at all, and just, and it wasn't treating her bad. It's just if she messed up, yeah, it was just full on, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, um, the the reaction definitely was not a <clears throat> was not called for whatever. You know, you didn't take the trash out, you didn't walk the dogs, whatever. Yeah, you know what I mean, yeah. And so I'm sitting there and trying to figure out why I'm snapping because I'd have told you I'd ate shit with her a bunch. I'd have apologized and apologized. And I realized that um, I w resented my daughter and was upset because as long as she was alive, I couldn't kill myself because she had nobody else. Wow. Um, hmm. And so I remember it's like, it's time for me to go to fucking therapy. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Um, and I, I went, I uh, started going there and went to the doctor and, uh, you know, again, you know, told him my story mm -hmm. and uh, th this is the weirdest thing dude was that people I didn't realize people didn't have it that bad um, I'm, because he literally sat there and told me he's like look man I'm just going to be honest with you you know from the false you know going to prison for something you didn't fucking do mm -hmm. um, you know the child abuse and uh, street life and um, you know, your grandmother passing away, you know, that was like your mom and then, you know, your wife passing and then your brother being murdered and then your next wife fucking committing suicide. Um, and then, you know, the COVID stuff, you know, mm -hmm. being a business owner and being told we couldn't make a living shit like that. And they were like, he was like, usually I see people have one of those. Yeah. yeah. Yes, sir. Like That's most, what I was thinking. He was yes, like, sir. most people never experience anything. Yes, he's sir. like, when they come in this office, one of those, and they're fucked for life. Yep. And he's mm -hmm. like, I have to counsel for life. He's like, you've had a series of events, one after another, after another, after another. Yeah. And um, uh, he's like, uh, you've taken the abnormal. I remember him saying this because it was like weird. He's like, you've taken the abnormal. And made it normal, which is in itself abnormal. Abnormal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you remix the remix. <laughs> and so, my response to him was, uh, "I fucking thought everybody went through shit like this. I've yes, only, sir. I like, I've never lived another life to compare this one to. This is the only one I've lived. So yeah. this is the only thing I've got as reference of yeah. how life is. And so, um, and so that's how I I started out on therapy." Mm -hmm. and, uh, they gave me uh, medicine for depression mm -hmm. and I started taking it, which was another weird thing. Um, it was like some kind of, uh, it was like a dopamine blocker or something. 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and this still baffles me. I think this is amazing. Is that you can put your hand on a stove and it's going to fucking burn you. Mm-hmm. And you're going to look at it, the the reaction, the physical reaction to you physically doing something. So what he had told me was due to all these events has blown a hole in my brain to where my dopamine levels where they're supposed to be just seep out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they gave me a blocker to stop the receptor so that those could raise up. And as soon as I did it, dude, I didn't feel mad that I didn't wake up again, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or didn't die in my sleep and shit. It was yeah. like night and day. And uh, But it amazes me that you can be physically damaged by an experience. Yeah. 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 I don't comprehend that still. Yeah. I'm still, re- I wrestle my head around that. Like, how yeah. did this blow a hole in my brain and nothing touched me? Because I know if I, yeah. if I punch myself, yep. that's a physical that's a physical thing. Yeah. There's going to be a result. Let me, t- let me tell you something. I have not been through anything that could even compare to what you have. You know, I've had some ups and downs in life and some stuff, but I mean, I grew up uh, very sheltered. You know, with parents that love me, uh, you know, middle class. Um, but I can relate to the part where you talked about the therapy and the medication. Because, see, some people go through stuff like you did, and it causes those those kinds of things in your brain. And then some people uh, just have chemical imbalances, and it, even though their life hasn't been that hard. And that's where I am. And so I'm on year 25 now, um, dependent on, but but I'm not embarrassed by it, and I'm thankful thankful that it exists. But I'm dependent on antidepressant medication, and I didn't have the stuff like you. Like it's amazing to me that <laughs> that you made it to go to therapy, you know? Because yeah, that's that's what lots of people say. And, and again, yeah. it's just like. And I'm, I'm, this is the only life I got, so I'm gonna I don't tell you something yeah. understand it. That it's only been in the last few years, dude, that I've begun to understand it's on the same level of you. Um, I'm not gonna go into my story, but I had that same revelation of what the fuck you mean? Not not everybody does this, right? You know, mm-hmm. like this is stupid, and I realize it's stupid. But until I was like 25 years old, French toast to me was loaf bread with butter and yes. salt and cinnamon on it. It's not. It's not. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I remember eating French toast for the first time and somebody gave it to me. I'm like, what the fuck is this? And I'm like, it's French toast. I was like, no, dude, it's got eggs on it. You know, like, <laughs> but it's the same philosophy with life. Like, I look back because um, I had to do a lot of therapy, you know, and uh, antidepressants and stuff. And matter of fact, I got to get a re up on my antidepressants. But I look back and I go, what do you, what do you mean? You, you didn't live, you didn't have all this fucking chaos. Right. You, you didn't have all this stuff to, to go through. Right. And, it, and it does. It, it molds something in there, dude. Yeah. Um, like I said, it's the only life I had to, as a fucking reference point. Because <laughs> um, um, believe me, I would have lived another one if I could have. Well, I, I do remember <laughs> there's certain points, again, hindsight. Like um, when I got down to Gulf Shores, I don't know if you've ever been to a city out there called Fairhope. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's a very arts-driven city. I love that place. You know what I mean? Um, I couldn't afford to live there, and I feel out of place when I go in there. <laughs> yeah. But I do like to go down there and check it out. And uh, me and my son Damien was riding around there, and there was folks out in the fucking park by the bay walking their dogs and throwing Frisbee and playing with their kids and shit. And me and him was looking at this, (laughs) 
It was like, fuck, man, this just ain't on TV. This is <laughs> right. fucking people do this shit for real. You know what I mean? Like, I, we generally thought that was just fucking made up for TV. That fucking yeah. folks didn't live like that in real life. I'd never seen it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, we do that going through little five points in Atlanta because it's the same thing. People out there in the dog park and people out with their little picnic blankets yeah. and the, you know, like, holy shit, this is real life. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's... Uh, I'm learning a lot of uh, a lot of things that I didn't think was a real thing is a real thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, fuck, we didn't even have hamburger and hot dog buns when I was coming up. It was like white bread. White bread. You know what yes, I mean? sir. So it's hard for me to um, empathize and sympathize with people. Sure. Um, because and and I'm been better with that over the over the few years, last few years, and trying to think about it, it's like it's hard for me to be like. Uh, comforting because yeah in the back of my mind it's always like you don't even know that's uh that's something i've suffered from and it's only really if i'm open and transparent and honest with you guys um in the last six to eight months um especially when it comes to uh, hayden is the love of my life and the greatest blessing that i've ever had um but i've not been real empathetic um because i wasn't allowed to be you know all my life i, I and i was desensitized you know, you you talked about earlier about the picture with me and the baby and how you started over. He'll be two um, on the 13th of October. That's my third kid. Uh, oh, he is your kid? Yeah. Oh, that's um, awesome. Yeah, he was born when I was, I think I'm 40. Well, I he was born on October 13th and I turned 44 on the 27th. So Yeah. Wow. Um, but, yeah, he's great, man. Neshoba, that's his name. Um, his mom, she's. She's Choctaw. So that's that's your the tattoo. Yeah, that's my son's name. Okay, so I'm not gonna lie, I've been seeing it this whole time trying, trying to figure not it to out. Stare, <laughs> trying to figure it out, man. Yeah, I've been trying to figure it out. So that's awesome. Yeah, that's his name. Um, um apparently in, in Choctaw it means wolf and that's what you know um she's Choctaw and uh we wanted to honor that with right. her. That's really cool. And uh so that that was his name. Um and fuck dude i was just like fuck it you know i'm in the game now i'm not i'm not going to be looking for a fucking corporate job might as well <laughs> yeah <laughs> you made it this far right so i got it tattooed on my head yeah. yeah there you go it's funny to me because i got my sons i got sam finger and he's my grown son that's that big because i thought he was the only one i was gonna have you know mm -hmm. and then i got oscar and and ollie oliver um but it's so funny to me because this one because it's so visible i all the time at least once a week somebody says oh is your name oscar <laughs> And I was thinking, if it was, would yeah, I put here. my own name right here? Here I am. I don't have any of my kids' yeah. names. I'm a terrible parent. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> well, my, my, my little grandson, uh, um, I'm going to get his name. I'm going to get his get name on there. here, too, yeah. I mean, I'm sure he won't be my only grandkid I ever have, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get his name on here. It's been a long time for me, too. It's been long enough since I've gotten tattoos that now I'm at that point where uh, I think, oh, man, it's probably going to hurt. Well, I think you tattooed For me years, I didn't think that, you know. January, I think it was. January, February, something like that. And that was the first time I'd been tattooed in 13 years. Dude, fucking tattoos suck. I remember. Yeah, they do. I remember when I was younger, I was just like, I could sit there all day. Yeah, same with me, yeah. man. Um, and when I was getting my back worked on, you know, the, the artists and everybody was laughing around me because... I was like, man, I was just like, this fucking sucks. Why in the fuck am I doing this? Yeah. This is the stupidest yeah. shit ever. I, I noticed uh, this time around the healing aspect of it. I was in a lot more pain 
than I remember being. Like yeah. on into it on the leg. Well, look, that's walking. my most painful tattoo is the inside of the calf. Yeah, by far. It's, well, it was. This was like two weeks in. Like, yes. I'd get out of the bed and I'm like, oh my god, yes. dude. When I got the inside of my calf tattooed, like my legs swole so so much, and it hurt so bad. And I was like, there's no fucking way a tattoo is supposed to hurt this bad. <laughs> that's exactly what you know I, I mean? said, I like, man. He did something wrong. You know what I mean? And so. You know, just talking to people had inside their cabin. They're like, dude, I told that's Hayden a, that separates the men from the boys. I got up one morning and I fell against the wall in the bedroom. Yeah, you can't put weight nope. on it or yeah, nothing. nothing. And I told her, I said, I do not remember tattoos hurting this bad. Okay, so so this one on the outside, right? Nothing. That's that's gravy. Oh uh, well, what happened with me? I had all this stuff done, and I had a couple that hurt a little bit, but it wasn't that big of a deal because I got almost all mine within like a two year period, right? But the guy that was doing this one, it was hurting so bad. And I kept saying, dude, this hurts so bad. And he kept saying, man, why are you being such a pussy? You got all those tattoos already. About three weeks later, I see him. He goes, oh, hey, man, uh, my bad. I found out I was using the wrong this and that. And that. I was like, yeah, man, it felt like you had a hammer and a chisel. I had all this other stuff. It hurt. That hurt so bad. He's like, yeah, my bad. Yeah, I mean, that comes with just experience of tattooing. Yeah. Younger tattooers. Um, if they're especially if they're not apprenticed right, and fuck, I know I did, is you cause unnecessary pain. Like yeah. They're gonna hurt, but you know, as you as you learn what you're doing, you learn how to mitigate the pain, mm-hmm. um, and not cause unnecessary pain. So you know, most everything I've had wasn't bad at all, and and I think it was because the people that did them, you know, knew what they were doing. Dude, I'm gonna tell you the yeah. elbows. That was that was my worst yeah. of everything. Yeah. I swear I felt it in my jaw. Yeah. Well, when my elbows faded, I did not get them touched up. So three yeah, times, three been three times. This has been done four times, and that's it. So I got I got a um, I got a question for you. We have we have three questions at the end of the show for every guest. Okay, but I got a fourth for you. All right, and I want to I want to throw that one in first. Most ridiculous request you've ever received as a tattoo artist? Um, I once tattooed the letter J on a seventy year old woman's vagina. <laughs> That holy shit! Yeah. Did you have a reason? Did you have a reason? Yeah, dude, it's a great story. Um, so it was about the time Viagra was hitting real hard. Yeah, and um, I didn't. No pun intended. You know? I mean, if she's seventy years old. Maybe that was a, she was happy about that. Right? So she left her husband of forty plus years um, for this other guy. And his name started with a J, and so she wanted to to get something for him and got it done. And this was in Gulf Shores at the fucking beach, and so I was like, okay, a hundred bucks. And uh, she's like, a hundred bucks. It was like an inch long. I'm like, dude, you want me to play in your vagina? It's gonna be a hundred bucks. <laughs> and so she paid it, and. Uh, <laughs> Here's the surprising thing. You would think it would look like a fucking Arby's roast beef sandwich. That shit was pristine and shaved and everything, dude. Oh, my gosh, man. I'm like, fuck, good job. (laughs) So she gets the tattoo and then, you know, pays and then leaves. And then 20 minutes later, she busts through the shop door crying, asking me to get rid of it. And I'm like, baby, it don't work like that. She's never had a tattoo. 
Apparently, she called this dude and told him what she had done for him. And this is senior citizens, right? He thought it it was fucking trashy and told her that she was trash and didn't want anything to do with her anymore because she got that tattoo. Holy crap. Wow. And you can't go back to your husband of 40-something years. No. Not after Jay. Yeah. You know? How do you cover up the Jay? Is it it like a little flower name? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, the good thing is, I mean, she probably didn't have it long. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, well, I mean, I know that's bad. And I, well, you know, this it's is not just a lifetime mistake, you know? It, it sounds like a place you could just, you know, not, shave, the, not yeah. shave there anymore. Yeah. 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 yeah, I mean, who? I don't know. Well, Viagra, but, you know, how many people is actually going to see it? You know? <laughs> well, I got to tell you, man, Virginia or not, there's a certain level of professionalism at your shop that I, I don't think I've ever really seen before, and I truly enjoyed my time there. Uh, while I don't talk shit about other tattoo shops in my area, like I don't go and claim to be the best. Right. You know, yeah. You yeah. Know. But you do. You get an experience. Yeah, it's a professional a whole, thing. Yeah. You know, doctors and lawyers. It's the way they are too. You know, you don't. Uh, you're not. You're just trying to tell people what you'll do for them, yep. not compare your services yep. to others. That's you know, you're going to do your best and a great job. And if they want something great, come see you. Yep. So you're all, that? yeah, you're we all, just let our work and our reputation speak yeah. for itself. Yeah. You know what I mean? I yeah. don't have well, that's how I found you. Um, you know? Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. Um, people seem to like us. We mm-hmm. won best of the best from two or three. Like, fuck, I mean, I don't even know how many awards we've won from around there. Like, I forget that we even do them. But, <laughs> awesome. Um, <laughs> you know, we go to tattoo conventions and, you know, we we got a few awards and stuff like that. But, I mean, you hardly ever see us posting them online or right. anything like that. You know, like... Mm-hmm. That, at the same time, man, like, I, I also subscribe to the notion that you can have the biggest dick in the world and nobody's going to know it if you don't pull it out. Tombstone message. I try to be humble. Yeah. Um, it, it's hard to, to stay humble yeah. and then try to put your stuff out there without bragging about what you yeah. can do. It's a fine line, though, it, dude. It's a balance. Yeah, you know, from what I've seen, I think you do it really well. From me to you, just well, that's why I, I try. Um, um, and I'm not successful because this was what I dreamed of doing. Like I said, yeah. I didn't even know I could make money doing this. I like yeah. I fell in love with it. And like you know, someone saved my life and gave me a, a life and my kids a life that I yeah. never had. Um, yeah. But uh. Spite is a great motivator. You know, <laughs> Ain't it, though? <laughs> yeah, when you got everybody telling you you're not going to mount the shit, you're yeah. not going to do nothing. And, and you're uh, you're off exit 299, right? Yeah. Exit yeah. 299, Dodge City, I-65. Yep. Headed down. That's where you can find him. Would you say Dodge City Tattoo? Dodge City Tattoo Company. Yeah, but Coleman, what was the slogan? Uh, it's, it's Coleman's Quality Tattoo Experience. I like that. I like that, man. Mm-hmm. And that brings us to the end of the episode with John. I got to tell you something, man. I love hearing people's stories. Um, I also love finding out that I'm not alone in life, and that's the purpose of having people on this show, man, so they have an, an opportunity to connect with people that they wouldn't normally have the opportunity to talk to. So if you're listening to this and you found some kind of hope in it and understanding that, hey, just because we're dealt a shitty hand in life, that does not define who we are. We do have the ability to make something different. We have the ability to become a different and better version of ourselves, man. That's really all that matters. So as you walk through your day-to-day, remember to always be real, be you, and be salt. Go out there and love somebody. But before you do that, remember to love yourself. Jeremy Braswell and Bishop Black. Yes, I lay here in my deathbed and my journey's to a close. I need the comfort of my kin to light my way. Don't
Cause I found my inner peace Won't you join me as I tear your 